Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Friday, the 2nd of February. Good to have you aboard, part of the Believe Podcast Network, and presented as always by Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, our title sponsor of everything, Zaslow Show 2.0. Anna Jar and Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. 800-747-3733. Got a great show planned today. I'm super excited to have you aboard here. We've been very busy. We're going to keep very busy throughout this weekend, but it's the weekend. We did it, everybody. We made it. We're just over a week away from the big game. We got all kinds of NBA action. You got NHL All-Star this weekend. We know that the championship rolls through Vegas, San Francisco, Kansas City, and Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props. Head to Bet Online today to stay updated on all the action. Bet Online, the game starts here. So thanks to everybody who hung out with me last night. We had a late night last night. We hosted Game Night on ESPN Radio alongside Q Myers. That show's a lot of fun. I like hanging out with Q. So we were on right after the Lakers and Celtics, which is kind of where we'll start today. We were on right after the Lakers and Celtics last night. Big shocker in the NBA as the Lakers are a 15 and a half point dog. No LeBron James, no Anthony Davis. And they wind up really start to finish up double figures. They blew them out really for the most part. And we came on right after that, so we did game night last night, 10 to 1. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Tonight, I'm back with my homegirl, Amber Wilson, Amber and Ian, 7 to 10 p.m. tonight. I'm hosting alongside my favorite, Amber Wilson, so make sure you hang out with us tonight, 7 to 10 p.m. Always, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and locally on the ESPN affiliate down here, which is 106.3 FM ESPN West Palm. So, let's start out. Oh, and by the way, Look, it's Friday. You know I got to tell you what the big games are and what the not big games are. Mike Golick Jr. 
is going to join us on the show today. So we'll do some football with Gojo. He's a good dude. I always like catching up with him. So Mike Golick Jr. will be on the show today. But let's let's start out with the NBA stuff. So LeBron sits out last night. And you knew the game was going to be a blowout. But you figured it'd be a blowout in favor of the Celtics. Who now, by the way, after starting 20-0 at TD Garden, have lost three of their last five at TD Garden. I told you, I, I don't believe this Celtic team is a championship team. They're obviously a championship contender. I don't think they're tough enough. I don't trust Jalen Brown. I don't necessarily trust Jason Tatum in a big spot. And if you're paying attention, I know everyone loves Drew Holiday. He's not the same player he was last year. And Chris Porzingis, you can't trust him, A, to stay healthy, and B, he's never played in a big spot before. How's he going to react playing in big-time games with the Celtics? I don't know. But I know you can't trust him to be available. I don't think this Celtic team is tough enough. I do think that the Celtics, they're in the middle of like that malaise that the Heat had been in until they won the other night. Heat are back in action tonight at Washington. You want to talk about a loser team. Check out the Heat and the Wizards tonight. The Wizards are such a loser team. The Heat, they're going to go in there. Take that ass tonight. Back-to-back wins. We're off and running. Big game Sunday afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. However you look at it. I don't know. I'm not a mind reader as they're going to host the Clippers on Sunday. That's an ESPN game. But forgetting about the Heat for a moment here. So last night, I think said so much more about the Celtics than it did anything about the Lakers. I do not believe the Celtics are a championship team. They're a championship contender. I don't believe they're a championship team. The Lakers, so, look, this this is how it goes with LeBron James. And I do think it's bullshit that LeBron set out last night. The Sixers were fined $75,000 for Embiid sitting out against Jokic this past weekend. You know he was ducking Jokic. This is confirmation that he was ducking Jokic. I do wonder if the Lakers will be fined similarly. I don't know if LeBron was on the injury report in the morning, but there's no way you can convince me otherwise that they're in Boston. It's the Lakers' biggest rivalry. It's the most storied rivalry in the history of the NBA. It's in Boston. No Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis is legitimately hurt because he's always legitimately hurt. But no Anthony Davis. LeBron definitely looks at that. And you know he's frustrated right now. LeBron definitely looks at that and says, yeah, we're at the Celtics. That's our rival. It's a national TV game. I'm not running around out there and getting my shit kicked in. Anthony Davis is not playing tonight. Yeah, I'm sitting out too. I'm not running around with these guys to get blown out on national TV. I'm hurt also. You know that's how it went down last night. And it's not even worth complaining about because this is a major problem in the NBA. It's... We were supposed to curb the players sitting out for no reason. Do you feel like anything has stopped? Do you feel like anything has changed? LeBron LeBron was standing the whole second half last night. Like he's coaching the team, he's helping out, what have you. He was standing the whole second half. He looked like a guy was hurt. LeBron's standing and into it the entire second half of the game. He couldn't have given him 20 minutes last night. It's such bullshit. But... That game said so much more about the Celtics than it did about the Lakers. Because I know LeBron was quoted the other night 
after another blowout loss. I think it was the game in Atlanta where we could beat anyone on any given night. We could lose to anyone on any given night. I mean, that to me looked like a Celtic team that is in the middle of that late January, early February malaise that every team in the NBA goes through. You look at the production you got from that Celtics backcourt, white, brown, it was pathetic. And although I'm I'm not giving skin colors here. Derek White, Jalen Brown, it was pathetic. And that was a Celtic team that thought they could just roll the ball out on the floor and they're going to beat down a a hapless Laker team. But the fact of the matter is, you know those Lakers, those other guys, they they see no Anthony Davis, no LeBron James. Good, we're going to have the ball, like not good big picture-wise, but just for one night, good. I'm going to have the ball more, I'm going to get to shoot more. Tonight's going to be a lot of fun. You know you're going to get a big-time effort from those Lakers. And that was that was an effort in hubris from the Boston Celtics where they just got to show up. And that's what you got last night. You got your ass kicked. I do not believe in the Celtic team. I know the Heat just came off a seven-game losing skid. If the Heat were to play the Celtics in the playoffs again, I'm going to feel the exact same way I always do, which is not afraid of them. The Heat are going to win again. But let's talk a little bit about LeBron. And first, by the way, the whole beat anyone, lose to anyone. Are the Lakers dangerous? No. They're a below-average offensive team. They're a below-average defensive team. And when you get to the playoffs, yeah, you're not having back-to-backs. You're not doing the same kind of travel. But in the playoffs, you're playing a really good team every night. And this Lakers team is not a really good team. Forget that you can't even count on Anthony Davis. But here's the thing. The Lakers right now are ninth. Maybe. You know, if... if, So, they're likely going to be a play-in team. Because you look at the standings right now in the NBA, and the Lakers, I think they're six back in the loss column of number six, meaning they they, they would make an actual playoff spot. The Lakers are five games back of number six. and, And it's... Like, you look at the top six in the West, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, LA Clippers, Denver, Sacramento, Phoenix. The Lakers aren't making up ground on any of those teams. Those teams are a lot better than the Lakers. But let's say the Lakers win the play-in, and they finish seven or eight. So, you're going to face either the number one or the number two seed in a seven-game series. They're going to get their asses kicked. Lakers aren't going anywhere. So, that brings us to the LeBron part of this discussion. Do the Lakers make a trade next week by the trade deadline? Is it possible that the Lakers trade LeBron? Or that LeBron asks for a trade? LeBron's on the last year of his contract. I mean, he's got a player option, but you know the way this goes. So LeBron has not signed an extension. He could up and leave. Mate, he tweeted out the hourglass the other day. What does that mean? You never know. Because we're at that point of the season where we get cryptic LeBron. Could LeBron ask for a trade? Well, Rich Paul, LeBron James' agent, came out this morning. This report just happened. LeBron is not going anywhere. LeBron's not asking for a trade. Well, maybe the Lakers, because they don't have a commitment long-term from LeBron after this year. And if LeBron wants them to make trades, but they don't have a commitment from him, they're not going conti- to give away all the draft picks in the future, and then LeBron up and leaves after this season. Like, when LeBron leaves the Lakers, it's over. He doesn't care what happens to them after that. The guys who are running the Lakers, they have to care about it. 
They're not going to trade away the future, especially when they have no commitment from 40-year-old LeBron James. Could the Lakers trade LeBron? They could. I wouldn't expect it. They could. I mean, look. Wayne Gretzky was traded. Like, that's the example you can always go back to. Wayne Gretzky was traded. If Wayne Gretzky can be traded in his prime, LeBron James can be traded at 40 years old. Wayne Gretzky is better at what he did than LeBron James is at what he does. And before you're listening and you give the side eye, there's no debate as to who the greatest hockey player is ever. There's incredible debate who the greatest basketball player is. Wayne Gretzky's better at what he did than LeBron is at what he did. Does. If Wayne Gretzky can be traded, so can LeBron. Anyway, so this story comes out from Windhorst this morning. LeBron James will remain with the Los Angeles Lakers. Agent Rich Paul made clear to ESPN on Friday, quote, LeBron won't be traded and we aren't asking to be. Paul said in reaction to some growing speculation about James' future ahead of next week's trade deadline. The Lakers have been active in trade talks over the past month as they look to boost the team that is 25 and 25 and ninth place in the West. Here's the key part. James has a $51.4 million player option in his contract for next season with the Lakers. He has until June 29th to exercise the option. His son, Bronny, who plays for USC, is a candidate to enter the NBA draft scheduled for June 26 and 27. So, do I think LeBron, LeBron's clearly not going to ask to be traded because that's what Rich Paul just said. Do I think the Lakers would trade him or go in to trade him? No, I don't. But Rich Paul doesn't run the Lakers. When LeBron is no longer playing for the Lakers, does Rich Paul still look out for the Lakers' best interest? Does Rich Paul give a shit about the Lakers? No. So if a team like the New York Knicks, let's say, who have been hoarding all these first-round draft they have like eight first-round draft picks they could trade over the next few years. If the Knicks call up the Lakers, and I understand the money has to be worked out, the salary's matching, but if the Knicks were to offer eight first-round picks for LeBron James, the Lakers are saying no? Rich Paul's in charge? If the Lakers are offering, I mean, the Knicks are offering all those first-round picks. And LeBron James, who is, who is not under contract after this year, and has already said his dream is to play with his son. So there's the possibility a team drafts Bronny James, LeBron leaves this summer to go play with his son, and the Lakers are not accepting trade offers for a boatload of first-round picks? Because Rich Paul... Said he's not going to be traded? Get the hell out of here. What are we talking about? So do I think that the Lakers are going to trade trade LeBron James? No, I don't. But coming out and saying LeBron won't be traded, get the hell out of here. What are you, ta- you don't run the team. Something to keep an eye on. Obviously a big story and certainly be talking about it tonight with Amber Wilson on Amber and Ian, 7 to 10 p.m. Now, we do have other NBA news. Joel Embiid, out indefinitely. He's got a situation with his meniscus. He's obviously off the table for MVP. I think he was going to win MVP again. He's been better this year than last year, which is not a surprise to me because Embiid cares so much about personal accolades. And he finally got that personal accolade last year, the MVP award, that now 
just focus on being awesome and playing basketball and trying to win a championship. And not coincidentally, he's having the best year of his career. But he is now not going to win MVP because he's going to miss plenty of time here. And he's only like four games away from the threshold. By the way, Tyrese Maxey last night, 51 points at the Utah Jazz. Minus Joel Embiid, big-time performance. You know what else is big-time? Sheets and giggles. You knew I was going to say that. You knew I was going to tell you that. You know, 1 a.m. last night, I get off ESPN Radio. I'm tired. I fell asleep right away, though. You know why? Not because it was 1 a.m., because usually I'm wound up after a show. I fell asleep right away because I get into my bed, and I got sheets and giggles that I'm laying on. The softest, coolest, most breathable sheets. Sheetsgiggles.com. You can pick up everything. The bed sheets, the fitted sheet, the blankets, the pillowcases. I love the comforter. I sleep on a eucalyptus pillow. Do you need a new mattress? They have eucalyptus mattresses. That's right. Made from the wood of eucalyptus trees. My man Colin, the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, he did it. He found a way for us to get the best sleep of our lives on the saltest sheets while also keeping it environmentally friendly. And if you go to SheetsGiggles.com and use promo code ZASLOW, Z-A-S-L-O-W, you're getting 20% off your first order. And then every other time you go to SheetsGiggles.com, you're taking advantage of all the promos and sales they always have going on. So if it's your first time at SheetsGiggles.com, use promo code ZASLOW. SheetsGiggles.com, promo code ZASLOW, you're going to get 20% off. So before we get to Mike Golick Jr., and we're going to do football with him, and we'll do big game, not a big game as well. The All-Star Reserves were announced yesterday. Bam out of bio. Third All-Star appearance. How you learn that? Here's what you got. So, the starters for the East, and by the way, they're doing East versus West again, which I really like, because while it seemed like a fun idea, the, the, the captains and the picking teams, I never knew who was on which team. Who the hell can keep track? Like, who LeBron selected or who Giannis selected. East-West, I know who's on each bench. Not that I care, but as a kid, All-Star Game was awesome. I can't keep track otherwise. So, your All-Star starters, Giannis and Bede, who the commissioner is going to have to replace. Halliburton, Lillard, Tatum. Your reserves, Bam Adebayo, Paolo Banquero, first-time All-Star. He's awesome. Jalen Brown, I don't love the Jalen Brown selection, but Boston's got the best record in the league. You got to have multiple guys. That makes sense. Jalen Brunson, first-time All-Star. More on that coming up. Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Maxey, first-time All-Star. Julius Randle. So three first-time All-Stars, Halliburton, Boncaro, Maxey. Julius Randle is going to be replaced also. So the commissioner is going to replace Embiid, and he's also going to replace Max uh, uh, Randle. Out West, your starters, Dunchich, Durant, Gilgis, Alexander, LeBron James, and Jokic. Reserves, Booker, Curry, Anthony Davis. I, I wouldn't have had Anthony Davis. Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns like, is questionable for me as an all-star. I don't believe he's a winning player. But again, Minnesota, number one in the West. You got to have multiple guys, so it makes sense. As far as snubs go, here's the thing. I, I don't feel like anyone really got snubbed. If I had to guess replacements for Embiid, for Randall, like does the commissioner go with big guys because those are big guys missing it? It should really just be the best players because who the hell cares? They don't try anyway. <laughs> There's been a little bit of momentum for Derek White. 
as a first-time All-Star? Should the team with the best record in the league have three guys representing them? Probably. So I could see Derek White getting in. I don't know who the other one would be. And out West, if we're talking about snubs, again, I don't feel strongly about it, but you probably got to have DeMontis Sabonis. Kings are a good team. They have no All-Stars. Sabonis leads the league in rebound. He's a great player. Like, I would I would have voted Sabonis instead of Anthony Davis. Their team stinks. I would have voted Sabonis. But here's the thing. And you're going to see all, this guy got snubbed, this guy got snubbed. If you're going to say a guy got snubbed, who are you taking out for him? It's easy to say this guy should be an all-star. Okay, the rosters are not unlimited. Who should he replace? Nobody does that. They tell you who got snubbed. They're not willing to tell you who shouldn't be in. Grow a pair and say who should be out. That's it. It's pretty simple. All right. All guests on Zaslow Show 2.0 brought to us by the official beer of the program, Johnny Cuba, European roots, a Caribbean soul, refreshing German lager in a can. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, your local Sedanos, Presidente, Win Dixie, Fresco Imas. That's how you can enjoy the heat game tonight. We got the weekend. You're sitting on your couch. You're drinking responsibly. And don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay tranquilo. Joining us now, we we are nine days away from the Super Bowl. Mike Golick Jr., we always like when he checks in with us. Gojo and Golick, you can watch every morning on YouTube. Mike, always good to see you. Who? It's it's a really, it's an interesting dynamic you have with your show because you do your show with your father. Who enjoys doing the show more? Son with his father or father with his son? I'd say mom watching both. Like, I feel like it's basically just turned into like a giant means of having like a family Zoom call every day where everyone gets to check in. My brother and sister now both have young kids. And so we've started to brainwash them early with the content. My nephew Jackson every morning gets to sit there and eat his breakfast and watch me and dad up on TV. Usually gives us a good point, maybe even a wave. He's starting to get a little more verbal now. So we're getting a lot of, you know, uh, my dad wants to go by Pappy as his grandpa. Name. I don't know how that's going to work out, but we're getting a lot of Pappy and Mike points now. So I feel like that's the real joy is getting ready to brainwash my niece and nephew to make sure that they like us and want to hang out with us. That's a very big deal for, you know, I know this because I have teenage boys, a very big deal for the grandparents. They, what, what they want to be called, right? Because they don't want a name that connotates them feeling really old. So that's a yeah. big decision for your father, right? Absolutely. We've got Pappy and then we've got Gigi for my mom as grandma. So my mom's like, sounds cool. Sounds very hip. Pappy, I feel like goes the opposite direction where it does make you like a Pappy is generally very old. So dad's leaning into that though. He's always wanted the Moses coming back from the burning bush. Look of all the touch of gray. And <laughs> he's cultivated that very well. How much difference? I'm sure you you've experienced it because you were a kid when your father was doing mornings on ESPN. Do you ever, or does he ever think just how different a talk show host he was back then to what he is now, because the contrast is pretty stark. 
Well, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot less of him in general. Like we saw the other day that Reggie White documentary, the 30 for 30 that ESPN did when they brought my dad on air. And it was very somber. It was one of the first times I saw my dad cry as a kid was when he's in studio surrounded by these images of the now departed Reggie White. And the number one takeaway for us watching that documentary was, my God, Dad, you couldn't step away from the table back then. So at the very least now, the takes are coming from a lot less mass behind them there. But uh, <laughs> no, it's it's I, I think more for Dad, too, it's the technology around it. He always tells the story of when him and Greeny first started doing the show, they were getting notes and correspondence from literal fax machines that were printing out during the show. And now everything's done by Google Doc. We're both full remote for this. And he's got the whole at home setup. So the world around this has changed a lot, even if the actual broadcasting within it is probably not all that different. Well, and isn't it unbelievable? I mean, like this is very Mike and the Mad Dog style where if we're talking in the mid 90s and you're doing a sports talk show just with the newspaper in front of you. Like, can you imagine us doing shows right now and we don't have the internet? How do you fill three, four hours if you don't have the internet? You just have a a news, today's newspaper? It is amazing to think about now and how much that's changed, really, the entire industry. I mean, to that extent, too, think about, you know, for me growing up, I'm 34 now. So Sports Center, when I was a kid into a young adult into college, was the number one medium to acquire that. You used to just sit in the dorm room all day and I'd watch three or four different versions of Sports Center to wait and see what happened because we were early internet at that point. It completely changed the way that show operated. Certainly, yeah. How we, I mean, I sit with Twitter open during the entire show waiting to see, hey, did we get any breaking news? Here. Hey, did anyone else say something funny we can pull in here now? It's an information highway and basically like another producer chair added to every show. So how they got through that, the producers back then really worth their weight in gold. Whatever they were paying them wasn't nearly enough. It's amazing. Uh, I know you you love Taylor Swift. I've seen this. You are, you are a Taylor Swift fan. So have you been offended with the, the negative coverage around her? Because I got to tell you, I feel like we're now slanting. I feel like we're doing a little bit of a 180 right now heading into the game where you got people who are pushing back on the Taylor Swift coverage, the the, the hate of Taylor Swift. And now it's kind of like, you know, leave this girl alone. There's nothing wrong with what she's doing. We like her involvement here. I feel like it's turning the corner a little bit. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But we're at like this. I think the snake eating our tail is probably like an apt comparison here where the story is just about the reaction now. It's not been about Taylor Swift anymore. It's just everybody getting to state which side of the aisle they fall on and their arguments. And, you know, now we've got, you know, when, once it rises to the point where Colin Cowherd is talking about it, where it's like, all right, we're near the end of this cycle where, Thankfully, it's just going to become normal because it seems like this thing is, you know, uh, you know, people started off questioning whether the relationship was legit, was it staged. Mm-hmm. There's still a bunch of weird, you know, nut jobs on the Internet who are calling this some sort of like, you know, government psyop for the upcoming election and all that stuff, which is just nonsense. But I, I think we're hopefully going to get to a point now where we don't even have to talk about the reaction anymore. It's a reality of the situation. It's a fun subplot to the Super Bowl because we've got her out in Japan at the show and she's going to probably try to be getting out there to see Travis play in this game. And hopefully we can just get back to the thing being the story and not everyone's reaction to the thing being what we spend our time spinning the wheels on. What have you made of the commentary around Brock Purdy? Uh somewhat surprising and somewhat unsurprising like it's an objectively cool story about a guy who's maximized his physical abilities and the opportunity there you know we talk so much about how for any quarterback we probably don't 
give enough credit to the surroundings in terms of how they turn out. Meaning we expect all these first round quarterbacks to come in and be able to lift the team out of obscurity and bootstraps the entire organization when organizational health, the roster around you, the coaching staff, the front office all matter so much in giving these guys a chance. It's why we see so many first round quarterbacks fail. That's even more so for a guy drafted in Brock's position, whereas a, you know the last pick in the draft, you're barely supposed to make the team, let alone actually have an impact on the field. And so those surroundings do matter, but he's made the most of the opportunity to get to this point in a way that's a Disney movie. But when the quarterback position in the NFL, where it gets hairy is, one, his a team has, as a team, he's been a part of accomplishing to a level that puts him eye-to-eye with some of the best and most tenured quarterbacks in football in a way that's not really fair to him. And so on one side, he's being thrust into conversations that are probably a little bit too early for his football life cycle. And then on the other side, when you start to interact with Niners fans that push back on this, there's so much ego tied into the way that we perceive our quarterbacks, especially for fans of a franchise, because it's the face of the franchise. If you've got the quarterback problem answered, boy, you've got everything figured out. And so feeling like you're one of the haves, feeling like you're one of the teams that's got a guy at that spot, there's a lot of ego that comes with that, that sometimes obscures the rest of the picture where Anytime we talk about the rest of that 49ers roster as having an impact, it's skewed as a slight or viewed as a slight, when in actuality, like Cam Newton the other day said, Brock Purdy's probably not even the 10th best player on his team. That, to me, is just a testament of the roster that you've managed to build. I mean, you swung and missed on a first-round quarterback that you traded three first-round picks. Most places don't survive that, but the Niners have built such a death star of a roster that, yeah, Brock Purdy might not be the ninth or 10th most talented guy or even best at his position on the roster, but he's been good enough in big moments to make things happen. And you have built such a great roster around him that it's helped give him a strong enough football foundation to go out there and keep maximizing his ability. The part that's also so interesting to me, Mike, is I feel like a lot of the commentary, at least the negative commentary around Brock Purdy is as if he's supposed to be a finished product right now. He was the last pick in the draft last year. And he was the last pick in the draft last year. He's only in his second year. They were in the NFC Championship last year. They're in the Super Bowl this year. So even if you do think he's a product of all that's going on around him, isn't there still a lot of room for this kid to grow? That's what you wonder, and it's more difficult with Brock because he's not a guy with otherworldly physical skills. Like Usually we think of the freaks that come in. Josh Allen's always the example that comes to mind because he came in with all this raw ability and they were actually able to hone that in and focus all that energy to get the best out of that player with the skills. Brock Purdy's not a guy that's got an incredible skill set, and part of his appeal coming in was high floor. He's a guy that started 46 straight games to finish his college career. He operated an offense that had a lot of the moving parts that you see in San Francisco, and so He came in and I think was more adept early on. I don't know how much higher the ceiling goes now. Mentally processing some of the other things that you get just through sheer reps, those can certainly be there. But those conversations all popped up because people wanted him thrust into the MVP discussion because his team accomplished at such a level. And that's where comparison becomes the thief of joy because he's not as good as Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, like point blank period. There's no argument there for me, but his team accomplished to that level. And so all of a sudden, to your point, he was thrust into conversations that no, at this point, he's probably not ready for his life cycle as a player. And that's not a slight of him. That's okay. But it's what happens when you come in and you're on such a good team right out of the gate. We're now in your second year, you're getting ready to start a Super Bowl. Does Belichick ever coach again? 
Uh, I think it's getting more and more unlikely. It's going to take a real specific set of circumstances, it seems like, right? Like, take the Washington job here. That was the last one to fill that people wondered if Bill might go in. Bill Belichick walking into a situation where you're talking about drafting a rookie quarterback and having developed stuff that takes time, an organization that's trying to reset its footing after being led by Dan Snyder for so long and finally exercising that portion of the franchise. Bill Belichick's timeline for it, wanting to win now, wanting to eclipse Don Shula's wins record, all the things that we know are probably at this stage in his career, the priority aren't going to line up there. And there were a lot of teams this offseason that fell more into that category. So I think it would take a very specific circumstance and a very specific franchise, which, you know, we got Jerry Jones out here angling for the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy's seat blistering hot going into 2024. But I'd say it's unlikely, but not impossible given who he is. So since you mentioned the Cowboys, I want to ask you about Prescott, but I want to ask from this perspective, and you're a guy who obviously played football, your father played football, I didn't play professional football. I don't know if you know that. And so there's something that I always struggle with this kind of stuff where I don't understand the dynamic where you have family members of teammates who are in social media and they're commenting about your play. And I don't understand the dynamic then that that potentially or maybe doesn't potentially bring into the locker room. Like there's not a moment where Dak says to C.D. Lamb, Hey man, why is your mom saying that I suck? You know, I I don't understand that dynamic. Am I the only one who 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 has a hard time understanding how that works? Oh, I, I mean, listen, we're all human beings. Like, I'm sure that stuff has an effect to an extent, but you also understand, like, all these guys got family members. I'm sure the ones that are even more low profile got family members that have said some wild stuff before, and you realize along the way the player's not their family member. Like you got a relationship, you know that guy well enough to know, hey, either they rock with me or they don't. You forge that, especially for guys that have been there as long as Dak has now. And so while it's absolutely something that guys are aware of, guys see most players now are online enough to where they don't miss stuff and most fans are ready and willing to go and snitch tag people and make sure they see this even if it's not directly on their timeline. But I do think that's where you fall back on. And the biggest factor in every locker room is like, man, you spent so much time with these guys and all that time under task either means you got that trust built up or you don't. And that's going to be separate from any of that stuff that happens. And the bottom line is that stuff also only starts to matter when things go poorly, when things are going well, who gives a damn, like whatever someone's got to say there, Hey, we know what we got in here. When you got to worry is like the Cowboys, when all of a sudden the pants pooping at the end of the season starts and everything starts to feel a little bit harder and everything starts to feel more severe. And you start to feel that pressure. Does it affect it at all? Then I I still think at the end of the day, you know, your relationship with your teammate in that locker room. And I think that supersedes everything else. Were you yelling at the TV at Dan Campbell last weekend? No, man, this is who Dan is. I don't know why we're all acting surprised by this. Like, yeah, I get it. We're a bottom line business. We're an outcome business. But like Dan Campbell goes for it on wild fourth downs. This is how that guy lives. This is how he's maximized that roster all season long. We talked to Panay Sewell on the show today and we asked him about it. And he said to us, it's just another down. Like it's been coached into that team where it's not some special. Oh my God, we got to tense up. It's fourth down here. It's like, that's the play. It's the down. We got to go out there and execute because we know this is what our coach tends to do. So I, I tend to look at this the way Greg Olson explained it as it's a process thing. And I understand fans don't want to hear that. They don't give a damn, but it's like, this is how the team operates. I'd rather have someone who is consistently themselves in the most important moments in a way I can count on than someone who's all of a sudden going to change up and do the clammed up conservative football thing just because the rest of us are cowards. Are you willing to pick against Mahomes next weekend? No. No, no, no. I'm done. Can't do it, right? I quit that biz, man. I picked against him against the Bills. I picked against him against the Ravens. Like I'm I'm off the narcotic at this point. Are there 
And listen, I think there's a lot of like real football reasons at this point, right? We've seen the Chiefs all of a sudden become very secure of their identity in the postseason in a way that wasn't there in the regular season where they were feeling it out. It's a roster that had different parts this year. They kind of had to tinker with what they've got, and they've got the two greatest scientists of offense and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And then they had the backstop of a defense that for the first time in Mahomes' career was like really good, like top five defense good. And so that created sort of a, an easy, again, talking about the floor for this team where they probably always knew they were going to be in the postseason. Maybe it was going to be at the one seed this year, but they just needed to figure out, all right, how do we best maximize all these parts? And we've seen that through the first few rounds of the postseason now. So I'm done picking against these guys. I'm done picking against Pat. It feels stupid. Kelsey found the fountain of youth. Like it, it's let's get ready to start having the dynasty talk. Let's get ready for an off season of it. Now I know on Gojo and Golik, you guys cover a lot of pop culture. What are we watching these days? What series are you into these days? Ooh, what series? I just, so football season, this weird void for me every year where I go in and I basically get no other TV watched and I'm really lame through a lot of that. You're about to get a lot. February is the worst sports month. You're about to have a lot of time. Well, and, but even coming off, like I travel for college football season and call a lot of those games. And so I'm playing catch up. Like I just watched beef on Netflix that had been winning the awards this cycle. I haven't of seen the it Emmys. yet. I know everyone loves it, right? Phenomenal. Gr- I mean, dripping with tension. I felt uncomfortable the entire time I watched it for all 10 episodes, which is great. But now I watched that. I will advocate for anybody out there. I don't recommend a lot of shows anymore. There's too much talent or too much content for people to try and consume. But if you haven't watched Shorzy yet on Hulu, and you've ever spent time around hockey players in any form or fashion. It's a spinoff of Leonard Kenny, which is an extremely popular show for a lot of people, especially in Canada. But it's about a hockey team playing in, a, uh, in the no-show league in Canada. And it is phenomenal. It is super easy to watch, like six-episode seasons. They're like 25-minute episodes. And again, if you've ever spent any time around hockey players, you will feel so at home in here. It's really sweet. It's really funny. And it's a really easy watch. Oh, I'm going to watch that. That sounds exactly what I would love. I've never even heard of this show before. Shorzy? Shorzy. It is incredible comfort food. It is one of my favorite shows to date. Like, obviously, there's been a lot of the big-time ones out there. The Bear that everyone's really loved oh, here. So We're coming off another award cycle where Better Call Saul didn't win anything as that show finally sunsets. And those were all great. But I- I'm always looking for, hey, what's something especially at the end or after the season that's, like, easy, bite size? I can consume this. Pr- Shorzy's your show. I'd recommend that wholeheartedly to anybody. You're going to love it. I'm going to check that out. Uh, Mike, tell everybody how they can catch you and your father and everything you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, at Gojo and Golik on all social media there. Gojo and Golik is a show that airs Monday through Friday, five days a week on the DraftKings Network. DraftKingsNetwork.com, the YouTube channel. We're streaming on Samsung TV Plus, Roku, and a bunch of other platforms there. We are normally 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern live every day, Monday through Friday. Me and my dad, Jesse Cofield, our co-worker who operates out of the DraftKings studio in Boston. All next week at the Super Bowl at Radio Row. We're going to be there live in person. We're going to be in the afternoon, though. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern will be live. The best of is going to air from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern in the normal slot just for that one week so that we can go out there and be able to pull ourselves away from the blackjack tables long enough to actually get out there and burp some takes at people. You didn't want to do live uh, 5 a.m. local time in Vegas next week. You know, when push comes to shove, like I like to think at this point, like Vegas isn't really my bag. Like I'm more looking forward to the Super Bowl in New Orleans next year. That is my city. I love that place. I will probably die there during that Super Bowl. Vegas is a little bit tougher white place for me to move around, but I know myself by the end of the week, I'm going to have burned the candle at both ends enough to where they're going to have to scoop me up and wheel me over to the set. Great job, Mike. Appreciate you stopping by always. Thank you so much, man.
Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Excellent job by Mike Golick Jr. Appreciate him hanging out with us. We'll do a lot more Super Bowl stuff, NFL stuff next week, obviously. And it's not like we're going to Radio Row or anything like that, but we're, we're, we're gonna get, we'll get guests on. We'll continue to get football-related guests and, and certainly people from ESPN. So, yeah, we'll continue on with the NFL and football stuff next week. First, though, you know, guys, if you're thinking about getting a new ride, the only car dealership I'm going to send you to is North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. Official car dealership of Zaslow Show 2.0, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, They're celebrating the new year with incredible offers on all new Subarus in stock, as well as every pre-owned vehicle on their lot. At North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're getting that promise where they provide customers with an exceptional experience at their brand new state-of-the-art facility. It's on North Andrews Avenue. It's that beautiful building. You can see it from I-95 at the Cypress Creek Road exit. And here's the thing. Even if you're not getting a new car, you go to North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, you're going to get your car serviced. And you know what? You're going to be treated like royalty at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru because whatever car you currently drive, they service all makes and models. So you're going to service with confidence when you take your current vehicle to North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. You can check out their entire inventory online where you're at right now. NFLSubaru.com. That's NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, the location you know with an experience you'll love. All right. I know what you guys are thinking right now. St. Zaslow. It's Friday. I gotta know. Is it a big game? Or is it not a big game? Big game or not a big game? We'll let you know what's going on. How you gonna spend your time? Here's what's going on. Tonight, 7 p.m. Bally Sports Sun. Your Miami Heat at the Washington Wizards. You know, people talk about how bad the Pistons are, how bad the Spurs are. The Wizards are so pathetic. Like, the Wizards are such a loser franchise. They certainly had no intention of being 9-38. and 38. Spurs and Pistons, I don't know if the, the Pistons definitely did not know they are going to be this bad. The Spurs, I feel like they're trying to be bad. The Wizards, they traded for Jordan Poole and definitely thought, all right, we're going to be good now. They're 9-38. and 38. They are so pathetic. The Heat, looking to get... Back-to-back wins here. They are 25-23 and 23 now on the year. They're one game back at number six, Indiana. We know that six spot, the top six is important. So the Heat, they got a tough one on Sunday afternoon against the Clippers. You'd like to go in there feeling good about yourself with back-to-back wins. So, tonight, Heat at Wizards. Not a big game. It's not a big game. The Heat, they're going to kick the shit out of Washington The Wizards are so terrible. There's no such thing as the Wizards playing in a big game. Big game or not a big game. Tonight, 8 p.m., Fox. WWE SmackDown. Fallout from the Royal Rumble. Will the Tribal Chief be on SmackDown tonight after defending his title at Royal Rumble this past weekend? More importantly, Bayley. Is Bayley going to announce... Who she chooses to face at WrestleMania 40 after winning the Royal Rumble. To me, that's the best storyline going on right now is Bayley. So WWE SmackDown this evening, that's a big game. Big game or not a big game. Saturday, 3 p.m. ABC. NHL All-Star Game. All right, I got to be perfectly honest with you. You know I love the All-Star. You know I love NHL. 
I don't know what the hell is going on with the NHL All-Star Game. It's been like this for years. They have like they have like mini games. There's Team McDavid versus Team McKinnon in one semifinal. And then there's Team Hughes and Team Matthews in another semifinal. And then at 5 p.m., they face off. I don't know what's going on. I'm certainly not watching. And if I'm not watching, it's clearly not a big game. Big game or not a big game. Sunday, 4 p.m., ABC. AFC versus NFC Pro Bowl. Now, this is a flag football game, right? All right, let's just get right to it. This is not a big game. I do like that they have all these skills competitions going on. Like yesterday, I saw Jason Kelsey was doing long snaps and trying to snap the ball through, like, you know, these holes in, in the cardboard cut. I like that kind of stuff. So I like the skill stuff. But the act, an actual flag football game here with the Pro Bowl, God, I don't care. Make me watch that. Not a big game. Finally, Sunday, 6 p.m., ESPN. L.A. Clippers at your Miami Heat. That's right. You got Dave Pash, J.J. Redick on the call. The Heat, if you're looking for a win and get some momentum, if the Heat win tonight and then you get three in a row and against a a Clippers team that I think is a contender, then you could start to put that seven-game skid behind you. Now, it starts tonight, obviously, but Clippers at Heat... Jimmy Butler, great performance the other night after leading a, a you know, a, a tense-filled team meeting. Clippers at Heat, I'm going big game. I'm expecting the Heat to look for a third straight win on Sunday. I'm going big game. And that right there is another edition of Big Game or Not a Big Game. Yes! Let's get to Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Last night, Jalen Brunson, 40 points for the New York Knicks who I think are the second-best team in the Eastern Conference right now. It pains me to say that I hate the Knicks so much they get no love in this Aslo Mansion. But Jalen Brunson is actually really likable. And here's Alan Hahn from MSG Network on the court in the garden with Jalen Brunson, who just scored 40. Great game, great win over the Pacers. And you hear Brunson, very emotional. Jalen, that looked like a prize fight. How did that feel? Ooh. That was fun. That was. That was fun. That was fun. The night started with you being named to your first All-Star game. Just talk about the journey you've been on and how it has reached this point now where you're on the garden floor hearing MVP chants and you're going to the All-Star game. I mean... I got, I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. All right, then talk about your teammates, because I know you will. You guys are shorthanded playing this game. This is a tough game. This is a big Eastern Conference game. What did you see out of this group where mainly seven guys played but yet fought back from down 15 to win? We kept fighting, man. I mean, no matter what, we're going to keep fighting. That's what we do. We're going to keep fighting every single night. That's what we do. Especially here, man. This place is unbelievable. Especially here. I'm going big deal. Jalen Brunson seems like a good kid. What a good son, by the way. Like his dad, former player, of course, assistant coach. 
He, he's an MB, uh, MVP, he, well, their chance an MVP, but all-star for the first time, and he's, it, it, they hit a grand slam with signing it. Like, the Mavericks chose Kyrie Irving. The Mavericks paid Kyrie Irving instead of Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is 10 times the player Kyrie Irving is. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So I don't know if you've seen this Tony Snell story about he needs to beat Tony Snell, longtime NBA veteran, and he needs another year of service time in order to qualify for lifetime health benefits for himself and his family. And it needs to happen by the end of today and to be signed for the rest of the season. He's married with two kids, two young boys, both of whom are autistic. And here is Charles Barkley last night on Inside the NBA pleading with the NBA for somebody to find a roster spot for him. I read an article yesterday. Tony Snell? Yeah. I, needing to be signed by the end of this week because he's got two kids with autism and he needs to play to the end of the year to get a 10-year medical right. to help him take care of his two autistic kids. I'm hoping, you know, man, the NBA has been great to all of us sitting up here, uh, you know, and you guys going to be playing basketball forever, making gazillion dollars. I hope one of you guys sign Tony so his two autistic kids can get great medical care. I read that article. Or does the league just, well, Adam Silver comes in and, and it makes an exception and he gets the, he gets the, well, what, what, but well, I mean, it, it's, it's only, it's only 40 games. So he can uh, make, but uh, what, what, well, I'm just telling you, yeah. he, they, they, that's they, an easier they, way. Well, no, I'm just saying, I, I hope a team signs yeah. him for the rest of the season because, you know, I don't know a lot about autism. I'm not going to say that, but man, I know it's got to be expensive to have two young kids with that situation. So, I'm hoping the NBA. We always talk about what a family we are. Right. Let's let's sign that kid for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm going big deal. This is a cool story. If it winds up coming to fruition, I'm not saying that a team should cut a current player and make room for Tony Snell, but there's got to be a team out there that has a roster spot that could bring him aboard. So I'm going big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So this morning, unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio, six to ten a.m. Here's Michelle Smallman on just the idea of the Lakers trading LeBron James. That just seems crazy to me to even speculate on them moving on from a legend like him. And also, do you really think if you remove him from the equation that you're closer to winning a title? Because I can't count on Anthony Davis to consistently be there for me in the, in the postseason. I know what LeBron is going to give me. Even at his age, you know what minutes he can give you and that he can take over a game and that he's the undisputed leader of this team. I mean, he tweets out the hourglass emoji and you see a different version of them. He's the engine in so many ways. I just, I would be floored. Yeah, I'm going not a big deal because it's just, it's not going to happen. It's it's just not believable. Even though Rich Paul does not run the Lakers or the NBA. Finally, big deal or not a big deal. So, Chris Carlin, Carlin versus Joe, which by the way, Chris Carlin was on Zaslow Show 2.0 yesterday. You could always go back in the archives and listen to anything previously. Here's Chris Carlin yesterday. They're debating, they're talking about the MVP, the 65-game threshold, and Carlin makes the exact same mistake that Amber Wilson made when we were doing the show a couple nights ago. Give it a listen. How many MVPs do you think have played less than 65 games ever? I think this number's going to surprise you. Zero? No. How many? 
Five. Five guys have won an MVP playing less than 65 games? Yep. Carl Malone played 49 games and won an MVP. 49 games? What does that say about the league that year? Yeah. 49 games? Yeah, that was 98-99. Bill Walton, LeBron in 11 and 12 played 62. Evan says that that was the lockout season? Okay, so Uh, then, yeah, rule him out because that wasn't a full season then. 98-99 98-99 was the lockout? Yeah, that was the year the Knicks lost to the Spurs. Oh, that's right. I, thought we, I was going to say 49 games. Like, yeah. Okay. Good call. All right, so Good scratch call. that. That leads us to four. Scratch that game. That one doesn't count. Walton, LeBron. Uh, LeBron played 62 in 2011 and 12. Then that was another Giannis. lockout, was I it not? I believe that was also a lockout year, yeah. 11 and 12 was a lockout year. Carlin, are you going to give us five guys that season. are you going to give us five guys that won the MVP in lockout seasons? I'm going not a big deal because the same exact thing happened to Amber Wilson. We're doing the show the other night and we're going over, you know, the MVPs, how much past guys used to play, and then she tells me, "Carl Malone, you know when Carl Malone won one of his MVPs? You know how many games he played?" And I said to her, "Go, at least 80." And she goes, "49." I'm like, "What?" And like, and, and, like, I was stunned, and she keeps talking, she's talking about it, and then I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, he, he won in 99. That was a lockout season. He actually, yes, he played 49 games. He played in 49 out of 50 games. He played in 98% of the games. So, Colin made the exact same mistake. Not a big deal. And that right there is another edition of Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Yes. All right, we did it, everybody. We made it through the week. Today's show brought to you in part by Bet Online. Make sure you listen tonight, ESPN Radio, 7 to 10 p.m. Amber and Ian, I will be co-hosting again with my girl, Amber Wilson. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's the highlight of my days getting to host shows with her again. Uh, thanks, everybody, who hung out with us throughout this week. And, and of course, everyone who puts in the hard work to put Zaslow Show 2.0 up every day. I can't do it without all your hard work and your dedication. We're doing ESPN Radio tomorrow, hosting uh, game day from, no, hosting primetime, excuse me, hosting primetime tomorrow from 6 to 8 p.m., and I'm hosting game day on Sunday from 2 to 5 p.m., so be on the lookout, a lot of me on ESPN Radio over these next few days. We'll talk to you on Zaslow Show 2.0 on Monday, you know what that Ah, the show is over. What better time now than to go out back with a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. That's right. That's what I look forward to after every show. And now my day's work is done. I got a six-pack of Johnny Cuba. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul. I'm going to sit outside by the pool here at the Zaslow Mansion and just enjoy the rest of my day. Having a Johnny Cuba makes me feel like I'm right back in the Caribbean. We're talking a refreshing German lager in a can. You can get it anywhere. Sedano's, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. And right now, you got special holiday prices on six packs of Johnny Cuba. Make sure you pick up your Johnny Cuba merch as well. We got the hot sauce coming up. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo because more is always brewing.